You're listening to Creatively Human with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world and make an impact in our own unique way. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to heart-led creatives. Hi, and welcome back to the season finale of season three of the Creatively Human podcast. Now, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I was planning to make this a 10 episode season, which would mean recording one more episode. And I just decided that I feel like, I don't know, the topics I've covered, what I've talked about, the way it's gone, it just feels complete to me. And I feel like this Q&A is a really nice way to end the season. So before I dive into the q and I wanted to give you a little bit of, I don't know, behind the scenes info about what I'm doing with the podcast, my thinking behind this episode, some things that are changing and all of that kind of stuff. So firstly, I want to let you know that although this is the final episode officially of season three of the podcast, I'm actually releasing three bonus episodes in December exclusively to people who are subscribed to my email list. Now the reason I'm not releasing them to the public via the regular podcast, well there's two reasons. The first reason is, and I'm always upfront about this, but I believe in building and growing my email list. It's really amazing to have you listen to the podcast, but I know that if you subscribe to my regular newsletter, we're going to have a deeper connection. So it's kind of a strategic decision to offer something a little bit extra to my newsletter subscribers. And actually, if you're interested in growing your email list and hearing more about the kind of strategy and my philosophy behind the way I do it and how I make it kind of part of everything I do, I make it simple so it's not like loads of extra work for me. And it kind of plays in with everything else I do. I am actually teaching a workshop about this this week. If you're listening to this podcast when it comes out, it's going to be the live workshop is happening on Tuesday, November the 19th. So yeah, I'll put a link into the show notes uh, or you can go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash email workshop. So yeah, the first reason I'm releasing those three bonus episodes is kind of strategic to grow my email list. The second reason is I really wanted to feel like I had a safe space to be completely honest. I'm going to be really open and honest about my year. So the three episodes are basically going to be reflections on the year that has just gone as we wrap things up and head into a new year and a new decade. So I knew that by offering it to my email list only (laughs) that I could, I would personally feel safer because I've talked about this before, but you know, being vulnerable online is still kind of a practice for me. And it's important for me to know where my boundaries are, what I want to share and who I want to share it with. So yeah, the juicy stuff is going to go in these three private episodes. Maybe I'll release them public in the future, but at the moment I have no plans to. So if you want to get those three bonus episodes throughout December, there'll be one a week for the first three weeks of December, then head to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter. Okay, the next thing I wanted to share with you is that things are going to be changing a little bit for the next series of the podcast. The podcast isn't coming back until probably February 2020. Um, I've booked in a few weeks early in the new year to talk to some new guests because obviously if you've been listening for a while you'll know that I did do interviews in the first two seasons but for this third season I decided to keep things really simple for myself and not do any more interviews. So I'm going to be starting up the interviews again and honestly I am so excited about the topics we're going to be diving into. I'm changing things up. I'm not going to be asking them the standard questions about how they got started in their business although that's like really interesting. I wanted to ask them something different 
different, something that they're not always talking about on other podcasts. So I'm inviting the guests to pitch me the topics that they want to talk about and we're going to dive deep into those topics. And there's a lot of mindset stuff coming up, which is like, that is what I love talking about. I love talking about the philosophy behind why we do what we do. Like it's going to get really deep and I hope it's going to be really useful for you. Okay, and the last thing is, I just wanted to say about this Q&A episode that we're about to go into. I decided to do something a bit fun. I decided to kind of bring my podcast audience into a more sort of real life connection via my Facebook group. And I offered my Facebook group uh, members the chance to ask me questions in a Q&A that was not open to the general public. So I recorded this a few days ago and it was really, really fun experience. And I'll probably consider doing this again like maybe once a season so come join us in the Facebook group the link will be in the show notes and the group is also called Creatively Human but yeah I recorded this live so you may notice that the sound isn't the same as normal but it was like really really lovely and I had some really juicy questions particularly about how you can grow your audience quickly um, whether you should put your prices on your website we talked about how to keep going when you're feeling discouraged um, we also talked about how to stay in your own lane which I really love talking about um, so yeah I hope you enjoyed this episode and we're going to dive right in with the questions now the first question I got and it is from Claudia she says should I publish my prices on my website I work as a nutritionist and coach and I've been told again and again that I shouldn't put my program price on my website. What do you think? And I love that you asked this question because it's something that I have been thinking about for a long time. So like you, I have also been told several times that I shouldn't put my prices on my website as a mentor. So it's like similar to coaching, right? And or I've also been told that there's rules about if you charge under like a thousand pounds, put the price on. If you charge over, don't put the price on, things like that. But at the end of the day, there's also people who can say the complete opposite. There's people who I know who charge $20,000 for coaching, who have their price on their website, plain as day for everyone to see. And really what I think is, it's really important what feels good to you. So when I was first getting into mentoring, I was charging less than I am now. And I felt like, you know, oh, it's low enough that it's okay to put it on the website and I kind of kind of rationalize it that way. But as I've actually raised my prices as a business mentor, I've decided that I, I want to be upfront about it. Like <laughs> there's two schools of thought about this. So basically some people think that if you put your price on your website and it looks too high, that people will be like turned off before they have a chance to actually talk to you. And if they get the chance to talk to you, the idea is that you can tell them the price in you know face to face and you can kind of talk to them about the value of what you offer a bit more and maybe you can give them a bit of coaching to help them figure out how they would make it doable so I understand that but personally I prefer just to have my prices out there in the open be upfront about it and I don't like having to have the like money conversation if people have no clue what I charge then I just don't like the energy of knowing that that's what they're coming into like a sales call to find out basically it's really really personal but honestly I have heard loads of people saying don't put your price on your website I've heard loads of people saying do put your price on your website I've seen both I've worked with both types of coaches I've worked with someone who doesn't put their price on the website I've worked with someone who makes it really clear what they charge so at the end of the day, I decided I'm just going to go with what feels best for me. And for me, I like to have my price on my website. I know personally that people I've worked with, like me paying them to coach me, 
I've known how much they charge and it and it gets it in my head and it and it makes me kind of get used to it over time and think this is something I do want to spend my money on this is something I'm gonna see you know how I can make it work and it's worked over time so yeah basically you can try it you can test it and you can see what works for you. I think with my personality, having my prices upfront is like the right choice. And I feel, I, I used to kind of waver over it and think, oh, am I doing something wrong? And that's, I guess that's the problem. When people give you advice in your business and you're not doing it, even if you felt good before, sometimes the advice can like set you off course a bit and you can worry that you should be doing something else and it can make you like waver whereas you did feel okay with it before and that's kind of what happened with me but now I feel like really sure that it's the right choice for me I'm not saying that I'll never like take the prices off my website I may choose to do that in future and I guess that's the thing you need to test it for yourself see what feels good for you okay another question is about SEO how important is SEO for your website well I think it's one of many things and oh that question was from Claudia as well Basically, I think SEO is one of many things that you can do to uh, expand your audience. And I think do it. It's really tricky because I am not an SEO expert at all. Obviously, in like in the past, it used to be a lot easier to like rank for certain keywords with SEO because I guess there was like fewer websites and people were like gaming Google and then Google got smart and like got all the algorithms together and they know when people are trying to game them. Google really wants to see, and it's not just Google obviously, but I use Google because it's like the biggest search engine. But what they really want, you yes, you want to have your SEO keywords or whatever, but they want your like website to be quality as well. And they want to see that people actually engage with it. They want to see that people don't like land on your website and like go away straight away. Um, and ultimately, I think focusing on the quality first is important. So then if you've had that time, focus on the quality of the content that you're putting out. If you then have the time to think about SEO afterwards, then of course, yes, do it. But I'm always wary of saying you must do anything because honestly you could really go all in with SEO um you could go all in with that and then rely less on social media for example or you could go all in with social media and rely less on SEO and that's kind of the strategy I'm taking because at the end of the day it depends it totally depends on your time and your energy and whether you have a team whether you can afford to outsource if you are literally just you know, a solo entrepreneur doing it yourself, then you have to be really mindful of how much you're taking on, of how many different traffic avenues you go down. And it's something that you can layer up over time. So SEO is definitely still really, really beneficial to loads of businesses. Like I hear and speak to business owners who um, are doing well from being found by search engines. So it still works, but I'm just saying you should know you should know what you want to focus on and you know what you've got time for and be really mindful of that, if that makes sense. And there are other ways to get traffic, to grow your list, to make sales without SEO as well. So I hope that answer is helpful. And like I said, I am not an SEO expert, but from having conversations and reading around, I know that it's still working for people. Actually, one more thing I want to say is that with SEO, and it's just like with social media, you're kind of relying on an algorithm. And you need to remember that that algorithm can change. You're like at the mercy of the algorithm. And if it changes in an unfavorable direction, you want to have a kind of backup. And for me, the backup is always the email list. So 
whether you're using SEO, whether you're using social media, I mean, you probably will be using one of these kind of channels. Always try and direct people to something that you have a bit more control of. And that's usually your email list. And I do have a workshop coming up about that next week. Um, like just a simple guide to growing your email list. But yeah, I just want to mention that because you need to remember that it's not something you have complete control of, just like social media and all of that. Okay. Oh, this what this next question actually kind of follows on from that. So Katie said, how's the Pinterest VA situation going on? So just a bit of background to this. I can't remember when it was, but it was quite a few months ago. I shared online that I had hired a VA to um, pin on Pinterest for me and to see how that would go and see if I could like boost my traffic and stuff. And I'm going to be really honest with you. I have not seen results from it. Now, it's a bit complicated because I used to have a different domain name and some of my pins were linked to my old domain name and I didn't realize because I had a redirect from the old domain name going to my new one and I didn't realize it after she had started working for me a couple of months later the old domain name expired and those pins weren't going anywhere so I do wonder if perhaps my pins weren't performing very well after that happened but I can't be sure basically I've given it a good go and I'm still considering I've stopped working with her not because I blamed her but just because it was not paying off like the traffic I'm getting from Pinterest is really small like I still get traffic from Pinterest and I've got pins scheduled until the end of the year but yeah it hasn't paid off I'm still considering doing it more and I wonder if it's something that you've got to kind of play the long game I don't know but unfortunately that's my answer so I'm just being honest um it's great that I could pay someone else to do it for me and try, but it's also, I thought it wasn't paying off and I gave it a solid, I definitely gave it six months or more. So it's not like I just gave it like one month and then gave up. So yeah, unfortunately. Okay. The next question is from Kendall and she says, I'd love to hear about what you do to keep going with your business or with business ideas on discouraging days. This is such a good question because, and I want to start by saying that we all have discouraging days like I think it is so normal and I actually shared this in an Instagram post recently and in my email newsletter and I said that I had had a private conversation with one of my sort of business friends and she I, I told her that some days I just feel like I am not cut out for this at all and she was really surprised that I said that and it's but it's true over the years I go through phases semi-regularly where I just think why am I doing this to myself? I am not cut out to be a business owner. It's too hard. It's too much of a roller coaster or it's not working the way I expected, you know, things like that. And I just want to say that I think it's so normal. And the reason I share how I feel is so that whenever you're feeling like that, hopefully you can think, oh yeah, Ruth said she felt like that too. And that is like the first step in getting through those discouraging days, like knowing that it's normal and knowing that other people have it too and that's okay. Um, apart from that though, I would say there's various ways and it really depends on the kind of level of emotion that's going into this. Like, is it just one off or is it like something deeper? Is it is it like, do you need to take better care of your health or your mental health? Like that comes into it too. And if that's the case, then yes, take time off. Obviously you can't take time off all the time. I do think that it's important to keep showing up, but I don't think that showing up means being there day in, day out without fail. I really don't. And I don't think it's going to negatively impact your business if you take the odd day off. Um, that said, there are ways to keep going even when you are feeling less than great. Um, 
for me, sometimes it can be as simple as like, and I actually have recently made a playlist of songs that really energize me and get me back to feeling excited and in a good mood. Um, And I know it sounds basic, but it does work. Like music, it might not be the same for everyone, but music for me is a massive like emotional lift. You might think I was going to say stuff like, like more business related, but, but actually it is more personal related, like play the music, do the journaling. And you know what? I had a podcast episode a couple of weeks ago about getting support. And this is something that I'm, or I'm sort of reminding myself of it over and over again. I have loads of support in place. I have, um, a mastermind group, have coach and all of that. And I don't always use it. That's the thing because I, and I think a lot of people relate to this. Like, do you ever have that thing where you're in a bit of a funk or you're in a bit of a bad mood and you sort of just want to wallow in it sometimes and you don't want to do the things that you know help yourself because I'm definitely guilty of that and I'm sure that most of us are. So I'm trying to be more mindful of using those support networks that I have and just saying something to the people I have around me already and I'm getting better at it and honestly it does make a difference because sometimes literally just speaking it out, well not sometimes you're writing it, but speaking it or writing it, the act of doing that, no matter what the other person even says, is enough to sort of clear out the junk in your head a bit. But yeah, I mean, there's all these like mindset things you can do, the journaling, you can do like meditation, whatever. But ultimately, usually for me, it's like a change of scenery, getting out for a walk, changing up my energy with some music, and also just being self-aware and noticing when these times are more likely to happen, like certain times of my cycle, or when like my son's had a really bad sleep the night before, maybe I just need more rest, you know, it's really basic stuff, but it, but the self-awareness comes with time, and if you're just open-minded to thinking a bit deeper about it, like, I'm feeling discouraged, I'm not feeling great about my business, is there a reason behind it? And you get better and better at that with time, I think, um, the self-awareness stuff, it gets easier and then the more you go through it, the more you know, okay, it's just a bit of a cycle with me. You know, sometimes I'm feeling great about it. Sometimes I'm not. I'm going to be really honest and share a story from a couple of weeks ago. So I had a uh, free call with someone who was interested in working with me and the call was going really great and we connected really well, but I had this feeling that she wasn't really my ideal client. And then at the end of the call, she told me that she was talking to several other business mentors. So I was instantly like, oh, okay, so it's probably not going to work out anyway. And I was in a massive funk after that. It was just kind of weird knowing that she was talking to loads of other people, even though I don't blame her. But I suppose my way of marketing is usually like I connect with people by putting myself out there and people know what I'm like. And then that's why they choose to come to me. So it wasn't it wasn't the way I'm used to talking to potential clients and I was in a massive funk about it and I didn't know that it was about that so I kind of thought I kind of thought about it for a bit and then I realized oh this funk really only started after that call so it was just the act of digging in a little deeper being a bit more like analytical about it rather than beating myself up about it and when I realized about it I thought that's okay like I'm I'm still like figuring that out like I'm not used to having calls of that manner like I'm used to people coming to me and knowing exactly what I'm like and you know knowing that I'm the right person for them so it was a new experience for me and then I kind of that kind of took a bit of the 
like a level of rubbishness away and it meant I could just be a bit more logical about it and less tied to the emotions and I was it didn't like instantly lift me out of the funk but it helped me be a bit kinder to myself and it's a learning it's like a learning experience for next time so yeah that's an example from me recently right next question I have an Etsy shop and I'm trying to get sales by utilizing social media how would you go about getting sales and traffic to your shop Okay, now obviously I don't have all the details about your business and what you're doing, but I have a few thoughts that instantly come to mind. And I want to say, I think it's really important to think about how you're positioning yourself. Like there's a lot of people on Etsy, like I I am not an Etsy expert in the slightest, but I know that it's like massive now. And I know that people said that they used to be able to like do really good SEO on Etsy and like get people to find them and make the sales that way and things might have changed but so I think firstly it's really great that you're utilizing other channels and other audiences and sending them to your products on Etsy so I think that's really good and I think it's really important to like think about how you're positioning yourself like I don't know what your product is and I don't know if it's a really unique thing or if loads of people do a similar thing but it's really important to think about what makes it unique the way you do it and to convey that on your social media it again it depends on the product but I think it really helps to show a bit of the personality behind the brand to show a bit of your working process to show your inspiration um, not to strive to be the cheapest one who does, does what you do and also I feel like it would be really useful for you to build up a mailing list so that when you have new things new products released um, you can have like fans who follow you who are the first to know about it yeah, basically, I think if you can utilize some of your own personal story and some of your personality, then that is a really good way to get people connecting with your products. And it helps you position yourself not based on price, but based on like the value. Figure out what's unique about the way you do it. And don't just rely on Etsy as a platform. That's what I wanted to say. So obviously Etsy is great because it kind of does loads of the hard work for you until you want to like set up your own website to sell directly or whatever but don't just rely on Etsy like build up your own asset like build a mailing list you don't have to make it complicated just like ask people to sign up to find out about when you get new products are released eventually if you find that they're selling really well you can do like limited editions or you can do like sales that only your email list gets like make it kind of exclusive make it exciting get people involved um yeah I feel like I'm not I don't feel like it's the most helpful answer but I hope that you've got something from that because like I said I don't know all the details about your business and I'm not an expert so it's like it's a bit of a kind of vague answer but I hope that you've got something useful from that next question Liz said um I'm really interested in how you juggle your responsibilities given that you run two businesses what tips do you have for making sure that you spend the right amount of time on each and don't get too sucked into one at the expense of the other Okay, this is a really interesting one because, yeah, um, I'll just explain for anyone who doesn't know. I am running two businesses at the moment. So my first business is a copywriting business. I work with other copywriters to uh, create website content. And that one has been going basically for around 11 years. I mean, it, it's built up over that time and changed. But yeah. And then the current one is my creative mentoring business. Um, so I do one-to-one with other business owners and also courses and workshops and the podcast and all that. So I have been running the two businesses side by side. I mean, officially, 
I've only been running the second business this year, but actually I was already starting to do work on it behind the scenes and think about what I wanted to do last year as well. Um, so last year, 2018. And yeah, it's been interesting. I do sometimes feel like it's a lot. The good thing about my other business is that, like I said, I work with other people. I have a VA, I have freelancers. So a lot of it is me sort of project managing and then they do the work. I also have cut down on my other business, which is kind of really exciting. And I haven't actually shared in public, but I have cut down the work in the other business, which is great because ultimately my goal is to move completely into this one. So I'm being really like mindful about how I'm doing it. I think if I was younger and I didn't have any responsibilities, I probably would have just quit outright my other business. But in the situation that I am, I have responsibilities and I'm the breadwinner and I've got to be smart about things. So I'm kind of approaching it a bit like, probably a bit like how people have like their side hustle and then they work on it to a certain level and then they're ready to like quit their job. It's a bit like that with me and my two businesses. So yeah, I have cut back on the work I'm doing in my other business, but I do have to be pretty organized. And basically I have to ask myself all the time, what are my priorities? Like what's going to make the biggest difference? What's going to move the needle the most? And I have to let go of a lot of ideas that I have because I'm always coming up with ideas and I know that I can't implement them all. I have to be really smart about what I choose to take on. I'm also really well supported at home by my husband and we have childcare and all of that. Um, and yeah, it's just being really intentional and I think I've talked about this before, but every week I set, and it only takes 10 minutes, but it's really important to me. I do a little weekly planning thing. So I open my planner, I go to the next week, I write down everything I've got on. I think about my most uh, top priorities and I think about how I'm feeling and how I'm doing and what like I need physically as well and emotionally. And it's really simple, but I have to be really intentional about all of those things in order for it to work. And I am kind of, I am a pretty organized person, so that helps. But yeah, it does also help that my other business, most of the marketing that I do for it is based on email marketing. So I can go in there in like, and batch write, schedule emails and things like that. And I've got a VA to help me um, as well. So it's quite, it's quite useful it lends itself well to like batch working and I've got like systems in place. So for example, all the orders go in on the first of the month, things like that. So I'm not doing things. I've, I've like, what's the word? What's the word? I've like systematized it. Is that the word? I've, um, I've sort of made it work for me. So I do all invoices on the same day. I do all the orders on the same day. I do like delivering content on the same day, things like that. So it's all like a really, really, it's like I've set up a rigid schedule for myself that actually lets me be more flexible in between, if that makes sense. So I have to approach that really mindfully. And I've started to do things in my new business um, in a similar way. Um, so for example, recently I've been really mindful about writing my Instagram posts in advance. I've been more mindful about how I'm scheduling my podcast and the work I'm doing for that and like batch working. Because for me, doing it batch working which means like doing several of the same thing in a row like for example if you're writing emails like doing several at once rather than just one that for me saves so much time and honestly I'm not the kind of person who will just like give out productivity tips and stuff like I don't believe there's any one size fits all productivity system that's going to solve all your problems 
but I have to be really mindful of how I work best and the things that save me time, the things that save me stress. And I just have to prioritize like so hard. Like, and I'm talking about things I really want to do and just like having a word with myself and like, no, you can't do it. So that's how it works basically. But yeah, I have cut down on my other business, which is so exciting and I should be sharing more about that, but that's making it easier as well. Okay. The next question is from Kathleen and she says, how do you hand, how should I handle two lines of business? Should I keep them separate or blend them and how to go about branding and communication, e.g. one website or two SEO could be a good argument for having two multiple mailing lists or just one, just one Facebook page or two, one company name or two. Okay. So I can't give you the answer to this question without knowing more about your businesses, but I can give like a general feeling of what I believe is like a good idea. And basically, like I've said, I always go down to the fact that if you are working on on your own for yourself, you've got to be really mindful of your energy. You've got to be really mindful of how capable you are, not how capable, like how how much time you have, like how much you can handle. And having two different websites, two different businesses, two different Facebook pages, two different mailing lists, it's all going to add to your workload, even if you're really organized about it. And obviously, I have two different businesses, so I kind of know what it's like and I, and it is possible, but if there's a, if there, my businesses don't overlap, they've got very different customer bases and I chose to keep them separate. If your businesses overlap, if the kind of values are shared between the two businesses, if what they come there for is for you and your values or a certain, it's really hard to say because I don't know what your business is, but like an overall topic that both the things can fit under then I if there's any chance that they would work together then I would try that purely for the kind of mental energy saved the time saved and just making life easier for yourself that said you can listen to the answer to my last question to see what it's like to run two businesses at the same time and remember the other thing to remember is you can always change like if one way is not working for you you can change so if you decide to split them up and you find it's just too much you can always go back like it's okay it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to even do it in public. If people see you've got two pages and then you just can't handle it, it's okay. You can just share that with your audience. Depending on the nature of your business, I would just be really honest and share that kind of stuff with your audience as well. Often they appreciate like knowing behind the scenes of these things. But yeah, unfortunately, I can't give you a really specific answer, but I hope that's helpful. Okay, next question. What's the best way of expanding your reach online? How do you find your audience? Okay, (laughs) this is another one where I cannot tell you what's the best way. What is the best way for you is the the question I would ask you if we were on a one-to-one call. I would say, how do you, uh, what are you doing already? How do you enjoy showing up? And obviously you've got to be partly mindful of where your people are as well. So where's the sweet spot between where your people are hanging out and how do you like showing up? Now, personally, my kind of style of marketing, certainly now, and it wasn't before, but now is to just show up as yourself, to put yourself out there, to share your values. That's really what it comes down to for me, like having, making a stand for something as a business and letting the people who are there for that be there for that and the people who aren't, aren't. 
Like it's okay to turn some people off. And for me, the easiest way to do that is to is to share content. So I do it on Instagram and I show my face on Instagram stories, but you could also do it on Facebook. You know, choose the place where your people hang out. And there are lots of places on, uh, there are lots of websites online that you could Google and they would tell you like the demographics of different places. And if you, I'm assuming that you pretty much know where they hang out already because you're probably already in that world if you've got that business. So it's really hard for me to answer this question because it's very broad, but I will say, let's talk about my business as an example, like my new business. So I've started my audience completely from scratch and I'm really, really proud of like the audience that I've built up considering it started from nothing, you know, a brand new business. I've got my email list and I've got my Instagram followers and I've got my podcast listeners and my Facebook group. So they're like my main places. Um, I think the way that I managed to build an audience, considering, you know, there's so many people out there online and you can get stuck in that mindset of why would anyone care about what I'm doing? Why would anyone follow me? The way that I've done it is just to think a little bit outside of the box. So I think although loads of people are starting podcasts, I still think having a podcast is really, really powerful. And I like to tie everything together. So I've got my podcast, I've got my email, no, I've got my podcast, got my Facebook group, got my Instagram. And I like to see my email list as the sort of place that all of those things will lead to. And because I know that that's, it's not my ultimate goal, but it's like a stepping stone to the ultimate goal. Like the ultimate goal is to build connections with people and make sales. But the stepping stone to that is to have them on my email list because having people on your email list is the easiest way to build a connection and make sales. But you need the audience in order to build that email list. So that's where the social media and everything comes in. So knowing that the email list is my ultimate goal, it helps me kind of get creative. So for example, I will do hashtag, like I created a hashtag on Instagram. And actually this was one of the first things I did that I think really like boosted my audience on Instagram. I created a hashtag and it was uh, journal week. It was actually not really related to anything I was specifically selling. I just did it for fun. I knew I wanted to like get back into the habit of journaling. And I thought, why not make it a hashtag and get people to join in? So I came up with the hashtag journal week. I shared it. Other people shared it. They joined in and it was great. And I led it back to my email list. And that's the step I think a lot of people would miss. I led it back to my email list. I just created a really simple landing page which is basically a page with a sign up form and I said if you want to join in I'll send the send you the prompts by email so I posted the prompts on Instagram and sent them by email it really didn't create much extra work for me but it was the like foundation of my email list so I got a real bump in followers on Instagram and I got like a core um following on my email list and I would say I I've done that several times with different kind of hashtag challenges and things like that I really love getting creative about these things. So even now, this Q&A I'm doing is an example of me just like having fun and being a bit creative with my marketing. So I could have said, oh, send me an email with your questions and I'll answer them in a Q&A. But instead I thought, why not make it a Facebook group thing? I'll ask everyone in my Facebook group to ask me the questions and then I'll have that kind of connection with them and it will help promote my Facebook group at the same time. And you know what? So many people have joined my Facebook group in the last couple, well, this is a small Facebook group, but for me, it's a lot of people who have joined. And I just think it's really fun. And it's like a connection with people that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So that's another example of just getting a bit creative. So you're using the standard platforms, but you're figuring out a bit of a more fun way to do it that people will notice a bit more, if that makes sense. Um, 
I'm trying to think of what else I would suggest. I think the hashtag challenges have been really fun. Things that encourage people to share. And also, if you want to grow an engaged community and audience, then you've got to be part of the community yourself as well. So don't just think that you can post and leave it there. Like get involved, talk to people, reply to their um, stories, reply to their social media posts, reply to their emails, you know, just be a part of it. And it does depend on your like area business of business and stuff. But I do think I think that's something that I did. I just, I decided to start a new Instagram account and I decided from day one that I was just going to be involved and I was going to not have expectations. Like it's really hard to think, oh, I've got to go and leave 10 comments today or I've got to find my ideal clients and leave comments on that. It just, it just puts like barriers up that make it hard, especially if you've got the kind of introverted personality where you want to make sure if you do say anything that it's actually, it's actually useful and not like inauthentic. Um, and I, I, I was a massive lurker, like it may be hard to believe because I'm not at all now, but I was a massive lurker. I used to find it really difficult to reply to things. I used, I never like messaged anyone, never got involved. And what I've learned from getting involved is that it's fine. Like no one like judges you. It's just fun. Just see it as fun, like get involved and, but do be mindful about the amount of time you spend on social media, like set a time limit or whatever, but get involved and yeah think outside the box. I think that that's my best advice. Obviously, I could give like more specific advice, but I don't know. I don't know what you're like, what you're already doing or what your business you're doing and all of that. But that is my best advice for that. Okay. I think I'm at the last question now. Okay. Sarah said, following our mentoring session today and what an affirming session it was. Oh, thank you, Sarah. (laughs) Um, I would love to know, how do you stay in your own lane? As you know, I'm struggling with it a little at the moment and we talked about a bit around it, but I love your tips. Yeah, I'm glad that you came on and asked the question because I've actually had a few thoughts since we spoke about it earlier. I was just going to say sometimes, actually, there's two sides to it. So by staying in your own lane, what Sarah is talking about, because we discussed this earlier in our mentoring call, she's kind of talking about how, and I actually mentioned this earlier in this Q&A, how you can be doing fine and you can be like getting getting on with things And then you can see someone else doing it a bit differently or someone can make a little comment to you about how you're doing it and it can kind of throw you off and think and make you question everything. And you're just like, oh, should I be doing this? Should I be doing this? And then by the act of like questioning everything, you kind of, it kind of can stop you in your tracks and it can make you overwhelmed or it can make you think you're a bit rubbish. So that's kind of what we mean by like staying in your lane. I, I think I used to, have a real problem with this like not so long ago I used to question everything and it's really interesting to think about what in my journey has helped with this like issue um I want to say like I think it's totally normal and there is so much noise online and different people describe things in different ways so some people might be like really like oh you could do it this way you could do it that way and some people are just like so like dead certain like my way is the only way I do not believe that there is only one way to build a business. I feel like my own business journey is kind of proof of that. Like I did not follow all the rules. I tried to. And that's the thing. I tried to. And when you try to do things that aren't right for you, it's actually very hard and it's not sustainable because it just doesn't feel good. But yeah. So firstly, remember that there's no one right way and it's okay to disagree with people. The thing is, I know that it's really hard to disagree with people when you're 
just, you know, you, you may not have the confidence. Even if you have been doing it for a while, you may still think you could do it better. Um, and if you're new to something, then it's even harder because you're sort of in that experimental stage already and you, and it may not be paying off yet. So if anyone else is saying you could do something differently, then of course you're going to question it. So firstly, know that it's normal. The other thing I wanted to say is that I often think about Lady Gaga. So this is <laughs> this might sound really random, but sometimes when I'm questioning myself and I'm thinking, oh, am I doing it a bit differently to other people? I think, well, what? what would Lady Gaga do? Like she is, she has, is pretty wacky, right? And she puts herself out there and well, she certainly did a few years ago and she wears all these crazy outfits, you know, she had the meat dress, all of this stuff, but she does it anyway. She's totally in her own lane. And I'm sure she's had loads of people who told her she is mad and that what she's doing won't sell or it's not commercially viable, but she's like a massive pop star. And so I sometimes literally just think, if Lady Gaga can do it, then I can do it. And I just think that people who are creating something unique must always have come up against that feeling of not doing it the same way as other people and question themselves because of it. I hope this makes sense. But yeah, I just think it's something, if you're, if you're creating something unique, it's just a fact that sometimes it's not going to, match with what other people are doing and you're kind of I think you're going to have to sort of get used to being a bit uncomfortable like get comfortable with being a bit uncomfortable if that makes sense um apart from that though like that's the more sort of philosophical answer but the the sort of practical stuff is I literally do I unsubscribe from people all the time I unfollow people all the time I mute people on Instagram all the time so that I don't have to unfollow them. I love the mute function. I actually don't watch that many Instagram stories anymore. Um, I kind of miss it, but <laughs> my new mantra, what would Lady Gaga do? She would definitely not be worrying about what other artists and musicians are doing. Exactly. Um, yeah. So um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, I'm not afraid to unfollow people. I do it all the time. I know when I'm triggered now and it comes back to that self-awareness that I was talking about earlier in the call. Like I know when I'm being triggered, I'm self-aware enough to think, you know, it's not their fault. They're not doing anything wrong, but I am triggered by it. I've had it in my personal life as well, you know? So I remember really distinctly thinking, you know, I bought a house and it, and it wasn't like my dream house, but I was like so happy that I bought a house. And then some friends got like a really amazing house and it made me like feel rubbish about my house. And I was like, hang on a minute. I was feeling absolutely fine about my house until my friends got this amazing house. And it just makes you think the only reason I'm feeling bad about something is because of something totally external and I was feeling fine before it. So it's the same with online business stuff. I get it. I'm I'm only like, no matter how far you come, you're still only human and it's going to happen. But I just, I'm much more, I'm much better at like stopping it in its tracks now. So for example, um, lately I don't really listen to many podcasts. I used to listen to tons of business podcasts, but now that I have my own business podcast, I really don't listen to that many anymore. And I'll go through phases where I can, and then I'll go through phases when I can't, and it's okay. Um, what else? I don't know. I mean, the Lady Gaga thing like does really, really help me. It's just, I just know that you're going to have to be a bit different than other people if you want to create something unique. It just, yeah, it just makes sense. But 
it's also a practice. Like I know that I've gotten so much better at this over time. And obviously it helps when you have evidence to like back it up as well. So like if you are in the earlier days or you may have an established business, but you're trying like new marketing strategies or something, it's hard because you don't have the evidence. But if you have done something before and it has worked, you can think, right, what's the evidence here? And you can think, okay, I've got, I've got email subscribers. I've got sales. I've got a really great customer base, whatever. You can look for the evidence as well. But yeah, it also comes down to remembering that we are all different. So even if a certain marketing tactic is really amazing and probably will bring in loads of sales, like, so take something like live video. It's like really popular at the moment. It's a great way to connect with people. Like I'm literally doing it now. It's a really great way to put yourself out there. However, I know it's absolutely not right for some people. So it may be like a great way to put yourself out there, but it's not the only way. And if it totally like, if you, if you tried to do it and it didn't feel good, then it just wouldn't work. Ultimately, it's good to stretch your comfort zone, but not at the expense of everything else. So if you were thinking, I've got to do a live video and then it took away all, like it made you so anxious that you couldn't really focus on the rest of your work, then even though it worked really well for that other person, it's actually going to take away from what you're doing. If that makes sense, it's going to actually reduce your productivity it's going to reduce your output it's just going to make everything worse so although i do think yes stretch your comfort zone it's also really important just to remember that everyone is different and therefore different strategies different techniques different different productivity tips like we talked about earlier every everything is different for everyone else okay these were really really interesting questions and not many people were able to join in the live, but I'm really glad that people were uh, submitting questions in advance and I hope that the answers were useful. And I finally got to talk about Lady Gaga because I've been thinking about that Lady Gaga thing for ages and I've just been thinking, I really want to share about how Lady Gaga sort of keeps me going in the difficult moments and I finally got to share about it today. So yeah, I hope that was useful. And I mentioned a few times like the power of building an email list. And I want to say, obviously, not everyone has to have an email list. I do not believe at all that anyone has to do any one thing. However, I do think that having an email list can make your life a lot easier. And I do have a workshop coming up about it next week. So I've got to mention it. Um, yeah, it's the simple guide to growing an email list. And it's about, um, it's about growing the number of subscribers you have in a way that really works for you, that fits in with what you're already doing, that isn't overwhelming, and that doesn't feel icky and salesy. So it's a little bit about how to get started, but it's not going to be all like techie and stuff. It's more about the ways that I've grown my email list because I actually looked at my stats recently and I noticed that since I started this new business, my email list has grown every single week and I definitely haven't been doing like massive things to do to grow that every week. Like I've put out a few freebies and stuff, but mostly I grow it in, what's the word, like in harmony with everything else I'm doing. So it doesn't feel like loads of extra work. So yeah, um, let me get the website address for that. So if you wanna join in, the price is going up after, cause it's gonna be a live workshop and then I'll sell the replay afterwards. After it, the live workshop is finished, the price is gonna double. So if you wanna join in, it's like one of my most affordable ways to work with me. And you can find out more at ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash email workshop. If you go on my website and click workshop you'll find it so yeah i hope that was useful and i hope that i'll see some of you in the email marketing workshop but yeah i'll probably do another one of these q a's again soon because it was fun 
And like I said, this season of the podcast is very soon to be over, but I've really enjoyed it and I'm so happy to have more of you in the Facebook group. Um, And if you're not in the Facebook group yet, then come and join in. It's also called Creatively Human. And yeah, looking forward to connecting more with you again. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And keep doing what you're doing, because your work really does matter.